welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, it's round two of Brother, Brother, Brother Madness. We took 64 of the best albums of the millennium so far and cut them down to 32. Now we're taking 32 and cutting them down to 16. Who will survive? The White Stripes, The Strokes, Interpol, The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Wilco, Kanye, Amy Winehouse, Who the Hell Knows?, you can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Let me reiterate that. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Now, let's take those 32 albums and cut them down to 16. Good luck, everybody. podcast brother 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 madness we are conducting a tournament to find out what the best album of the millennium is so far and uh, there are 64 strong contenders pared down from about 5,000 strong contenders and we are into the round of 32 where uh, all these matchups are really tough um the first uh, pairing down from 64 to 32, um, much as much the same as what happened in real life, IRL, in uh, the NCAA tournament where UMBC beat Virginia, and um, you know I had a uh, call a suicide hotline. Um, there we lost some uh, some teams. I thought were going to go further in the tournament in the first round. What did you guys think? I think it was a really difficult, uh, you know, difficult to pair these down frankly from from 450 to 250 and then down to 100 um i, I think uh you know I, I sort of had a relatively clear idea of what roughly the top um 100 were going to look like getting from 100 to 64 and actually uh seeding this tournament yeah that was really tough and what was tough was that we were doing it you know individually and just a reminder to those who are listening you know the the sort of methodology behind this was that we each came up with our own list of 64 and then basically assigned points uh, 64 for the number one uh, seed in each one of our lists and, and one point for the 64th um, and just sort of added them all up and, and seeded the tournament uh, that way um, to ensure, you know, that, that it would be competitive but that we would actually have uh, sort of a, a well-ranked. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and that, you know, number ones would uh, would get a real shot to, to roll through the first round. Um, and, you know, it's it's it's... Fascinating. I, I think it's a little easier when we got to 64 to, to cut to 32, even though the matchups were tougher. The very fact that we, um, the the fact that we had you know uh, two other people to, to sort of lean on or, or blame, as the case may be, uh, you know, for, for making making the decision uh, collectively, sort of took some of the heat of, of um, eliminating these yeah, uh, these great responsibility albums. Responsibility for, uh, for <laughs> exactly uh, well, tossing and, off. And if I there's think, one thing we love on this podcast, it's absolving ourselves of personal responsibility. Yeah, I think too the first round, you know, was relatively smooth. There weren't any major heartbreaks. Sorry, Queens of the Stone Age and Wyndham, but uh, I think you know the the thing that that is daunting to me is as this tournament you know keeps whittling down, there's going to be some heartache. It's going to be tough to let some of these albums go. Well, yeah. a little bit like our playlist. Uh, 
you know, the top, um, the, the 342,000 top 10 songs of all time, uh, which is, of course, a reference to the fact that at any given time, depending on what I'm listening to and the mood that I'm in, uh, I'm sure that I've claimed at least, you know, 10,000 of my top 10 songs of all time. Um, and this is similar. I, I think I could very easily make a case that, you know, uh, there are at least 30 of these 64 albums are things that I've probably said are in the top five of the last 20 years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. given, given the right amount of Chardonnay and, and the right hour of the evening, I can, you know... <laughs> the, have, the right hour of the morning? I have, I <laughs> yeah. have, I have been completely culpable of, of calling Olivia Newton-John's Magic one of the greatest songs of all time. So, um, that said... Let's jump in and... And, uh, and now in your sobriety, you are willing to concede that it is not, in fact, one of the it. greatest How, how are the painkillers kicking in, When Are you feeling... Uh, <laughs> you know um, I, I, They are kicking in. I am... Um, you know, I would not pass a uh, drug test uh, at the moment. I have uh, recently coming off of uh, surgery. Um, I'm comfortably able to say that, by the way, pretty much every day since you were about 15. So. <laughs> well, not, not that I'm coming off surgery, but uh, I, did, uh, I did conduct... I did conduct a, uh, uh, an interview with uh, the delightful and extremely talented Jake Brennan uh, of uh, uh, Disgraceland podcast with a bag of blood uh, coming out of, of Which my Which is abdomen. fitting so for that podcast. I just listened was, to the Norwegian like, death metal murders <laughs> last night. And, uh, totally. That was one of my a, favorites. I, that, that didn't give you nightmares. Um, and just for uh, just for context, this is a this is a new sort of favorite pod of, of ours um, on brother brother brother. But it's uh, it's basically he's he's woven together. Um, it's a brilliant concept, but he's woven together true crime and rock and roll. Uh, I think two of the world's most popular things at the moment. Um, and you know, basically looks at uh, historical crimes that have been committed in the in the world of, of music. So things like um, you know Jerry Lee Lewis uh, killing any number of his wives. Um, and you know the the Sid Vicious and Nancy, um, you know, uh, is, church is, torchings and S- Sam Cooke's uh, death in in a Hollywood motel. It's great stuff. Anyway, can't recommend it highly enough. If uh, listen to it. Uh, but yeah. speaking of crimes, um, our first matchup. Uh, speaking of needing to dull the pain, um, no, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, I mean, it, it really is. If you had told me, if you, if we were doing this a few years ago, I would have said, I would have guessed this matchup would have been uh, a Final Four matchup, and that is the Strokes, Is This It versus White Stripes, Elephant. Ooh. Rock you know, gods this, this, of the uh, early 2000s. For anybody who's also paying attention to the NCAA bracket, this is sort of the matchup uh, when the seeding took place. Um, that my eyes sort of drifted toward in the round of 32, round of 16, whereby I thought Virginia was going to make it through and end up playing like Arizona or Kentucky. Um, this is that matchup. You know, it's it's a team that that in in um, the White Stripes really, uh, you know, how they I, the only way to explain how they dropped to a nine seed is frankly that we were divided over whether Elephant and White Blood Cells was a better album. Um, Wyndham went White Blood Cells. I think Jaren and I probably favored Elephant. Um, but, you know, if we'd had a little bit more consensus, um, in other words, if we cheated and cooked the uh, cooked the seedings, which we did not, um, you know, we, we might have seen uh, the White Stripes a little higher on this list. Um, either way, they are... 
an elephant-sized uh, contender, I think it's safe to say. And, you know, the, it's such an iconic album of this era. Um, I mean, the fact that it's squaring off against perhaps the ultimate, like, you know, if, if you, if you want to, like, point to the middle-of-the-road indie rock of, like, the early to mid-'90s, I would probably point you to Pavement. Um, if you were to, you know, uh, ask for the same, like, thing in the early 2000s, I would absolutely say it's Is This It, you know? Yeah, it's the album that brought back... Uh, it's a standard bear. Yeah, it brought back New York, brought back rock, had that Velvet Underground, punk rock, you know, uh, Johnny Thunder's sound. So, it, yeah, it's a... Um, I don't know, an incredible matchup here. Do you guys want to say more? Do you want to vote? Well, no, I just just wanted to say quickly that, you know, having lived in New York for most of the 90s or or the 90s, um, you know, there was, you know, I've frequently had this conversation with Christian where, you know, we're talking about venues and bands and things, and I really felt like there was was no real local scene uh, gelling in New York. I mean, if you want to talk about who was... A uh, popular live draw when I was living in New York. It was Jeff Buckley, um, Degeneration, Mooney Suzuki, a little bit. Um, but there wasn't like that, you know, codified, coalesced scene that, that um, you know, seemed to take shape. I, uh, right. Go ahead. I almost want to say, and then, you know, this is probably an overstatement, I, I kind of feel like this is it was almost like never mind the bollocks for a new generation. You know, it was like, People could start yeah for like mod again. kids with the internet yeah you know it was like all of a sudden everybody wanted to be in a band again yeah I think that's absolutely right and everybody felt like they could pick up a guitar and pick out a relatively simple melody and you know in, in fairness like it wasn't the most musically complex I mean they they weren't you know they weren't amazing players um, they were really creative in the way that they used their instruments and and you know obviously the the level of proficiency increased over the course of their um, their careers on the road uh, you know a, a, you play every night and it'll help um, they did really start to gel and their live performances were, were pretty extraordinary but like uh, you know but I, I think that the the simplicity of it, you're right to point out, Jeremy, is like it was a real draw for people who were, you know, 12, 13, 14, um, as I was at that at that time. Um, you know, I think another another thing I, I would just point out about both of these groups and, you know, we are talking here about the album of the of the new millennium. But um, it's it's worth noting that, like, these are both rock groups that really cultivated image. Um, they cared a lot about the way that they managed themselves in the press and yeah. what they let slip to the press. I mean, they were... Which was not happening sh- prior. That was like no. the, the, anti- the, the 90s the, with the anti-image. Well, this was, this was, that was the great legacy of the 90s, though, was that you had this sort of like, we don't give a shit, we're just, we are what we are, we're fuck-ups. You know, it's like, that was sort of the... Don't you, um, dare, don't you dare accuse us of trying, because yeah, we're not going exactly. to. Exactly. And, and, this was, was and then you have a bunch hell. of kids... Then you have the the strokes who show up and literally wear, you know, they each have one suit to their name, but they wear it everywhere they go every day and are consciously talking to each other about the fact that they need to, you know, like 
we need to hang out together and we need to look cool. <laughs> and like as a way of just generating buzz and nightlife, it's like, who the fuck are those guys in the suit in the like velvet suits in the corner? You know, they're, that's either going to go over and make you look really weird or it's going to go over and eventually create like mystique. And, and I think, you know, Jack and Meg White, were they sisters or were they, or were they brother and sister? Or were they married? Um, you know, what's with all the red and white? Like there were just, they, they were just so good at, at creating intrigue and hooking you and just sucking you into their world, you know? So, hey, well, let's take this to a vote. All right. Uh, Wynn, why don't you go first? Uh, I'm going, is this it? All right. I'm going elephant. All right. Deciding vote. And I think this one's at the buzzer. Clock is counting down. And uh, somebody sinks a shot. I think Albert Hammond Jr. will we'll say uh, nails the shot for is, is this it? Because I'm going straight. Me- Meg White bricks the three yeah. um, to close out the game. And, uh, and the, the, the strokes win. When she has none left. Um, yeah, exactly. Meg White steps out of bounds. She, uh, she, she runs the baseline. Um, uh, when when told to stay on her mark, um, so yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's fair. I, I ha- had Titans, but I had a feeling, um, but uh, but the white stripes will live to fight another day. They've still got white blood cells in there, so. That was a matchup that re- that really merited uh, significant debate. Um, next matchup is Spoons Kill the Moonlight versus Run the Jewels RTJ2. I'm going to let you guys kind of carry the weight on this because I know where I'm going. Um, I mean, I think, you know, this is a tough one, and, and you know, mainly because Spoons' first round was a, a tough showing of albums that we love, but... Kill the Moonlight was the only album that really that really made it to the next level. Um, I do, and I and I know Christian is a, a Run the Jewels fanatic, and I'll credit him with really turning me on to them. I mean, I think I would have gotten there, but I, you know, having grown up with Company Flow and LP, and um, not knowing much about Killer Mike, I was always a little suspect. As much as I thought LP's creative talent was immense, I just never really liked the music. So. Um, you know, I think Run the Jewels 2 is, is their best album. I think it's nothing sounds any... I mean, it's one of the most unique, creative hip-hop albums that's come out in the last 20 years and and, uh, and is, is, to me, just, you know, lyrically, musically, hits on all marks. Um, and an album that I go back to, you know, for any number of reasons, for humor, for, you know, just wanting to get pumped up and just wanting to hear great, great music... 
Um, Kill the Moonlight's tough, though. You know, Spoon is, as I know, a band that we talk about a lot on this pod, and, and you know, I think is really the album that, um, as much as I love Girls Can Tell, I think Kill the Moonlight is the album where, you know, you had to take notice of this band, where they were, they were, they were the force they that became they themselves. Now. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, I'm not going to say anything else on either of these. I mean, this is going to be a tough vote for me. That's all I'm going to say. I think I know where you guys are going. The, the one thing I will say is that, um, you know, I think much like uh, we just said with the White Stripes, uh, probably splitting the vote, um, Spoon entered this tournament, the, the round of 64, with four albums, and they have one left. And I think that is in large part because we keep, looking at their other you know we kept saying oh well at least they're still alive in the tournament um we don't need you know uh maybe this one can take a hit but we're down to one spoon album and i'd say can you know the consensus uh within this uh um group of uh you know, that, three that of us sounds like that a, everyone gets a trophy bands. argument when i don't know what's that sounds like an everyone gets a trophy argument yeah, I think yeah. it does. Uh, are you cutting up orange wedges as we speak? Because um, I, I've got to say, like, that's that's kind of bullshit. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Spoon... Th- look, this album is what's uh, what's on the hot seat right now, not, not Spoon's uh, greater corpus of, of work here. Um, and, you know, I'm going to chime in on, on behalf of Run the Jewels, too. Uh, and you should also, I mean, given your age, you should probably chime in on the on the uh, participation trophy too. Uh, <laughs> I think you're the only one among us that got those. Yeah, um, but uh, but I think uh, somebody's a little snippy, aren't they? Um, but I, I think uh, I think that Run the Jewels too is you know one of the rare albums where you, you really do see um, uh, a sophomore pump instead of a sophomore slump. Um, you know, Run the Jewels set. A high mark with their debut, um, and you know people weren't really sure what to make of this. They were pretty disconnected as far as scenes are concerned. Like you know, LP has always been a, a great producer and, and beat maker, um, but uh, but he just wasn't a very good MC, um, and so his own uh, his own music sort of um, suffered uh, for for that reason. Um, you know, but as a guy who injects a sort of an element of, of humor, and and I think you know. Um, uh, comedy uh with with diss lines like run backwards through a field of dicks um you know he he really does uh uh provide a sort of a degree of levity because um you know it's it's something that honestly you need when you have killer mike at the helm and you know just a moment uh to, to sort of reflect and, and talk about how good this guy is um you know i i loved his album rap music which um just had an incredible amount of like power and sort of intellectual clarity, I think, about, uh, you know, the social issues he wanted to address, but chopped it up with, um, you know, killer diss lines uh, and real, like, um, just hardcore, aggressive, gritty, like, rap lyricism. Um, And, you know, that combination with these sort of, like, bizarre, um, like, hellscape sort of industrial sounds that that LP is working with are um, are, are just I mean it, it couldn't be a, a more uh, successful uh, relationship I think and um, this is where you really see these guys at the height of their powers um, I love uh, this is my favorite spoon album um, and I, I think that they're a tremendous band and and you know we don't see bands with this level of consistency very often uh, but I think being a consistent A minus doesn't help you in uh, an album competition when you come toe to toe with an A plus. 
It's funny you should say that because I th actually think Run the Jewels is uh, is equally uh, consistent. I, I think everything. I think they are too, but um, I think that this album is an A plus. I think that Run the Jewels one was an A, and I think that Run the Jewels three is an A minus. And I think Close or Your B Eyes and Count to Fuck is maybe the greatest song title of all time. Yes, but I agree with you on that point. That said, I'm gonna I'm gonna state the obvious, and I'm gonna vote for Spoon Kill the Moonlight. I guess Christian? I'll say state the obvious and, and vote for Run the Jewels. Yeah, it sounds like uh, <clears throat> two in a row I get to be the deciding factor. Not often uh, I have the honor of killing one of my favorite albums. <laughs> um, you know, I think I'm going to go with, and no fault, both arguments are good. I like both albums a ton, and uh, I hate to see Spoon get knocked out of the tournament, but Whoa. like UVA, I'm going to go with Run the Jewels, and I think... You know, it's really just album versus album. I mean, I, I love Kill the Moonlight. It's actually not my favorite Spoon album, so that might be why, you know. And, and I think Run the Jewels, that is my favorite album by them. And, and uh, I think it's just a more unique uh, record that needs to move on. So, Ironically, not an upset, uh, given the seedings, which uh, I would have yeah, guessed it you're right. to have been. But, um, well... Um, I am upset. That's a that's a different beast altogether. Run them jewels fast. Run them, run them jewels fast. Run them, run them, run them, run them, run them, run them. Fuck the slow mo. Fascist slave, you protesting to get in a fucking look book. Everything I scribbles like the anarchist book book. Look good, posing in the center for the crook book. Black on black on black with the ski mask, that is my crook book. How you like my styling, bro? Ain't nobody styling, bro. About to turn this motherfucker up like Rikers Island, bro. Where my thuggers and my cripples and my blooders and my brothers. When you niggas gon' unite and kill the police motherfuckers. Or take over a jail, get them CO's hell. The burning of that sofa, goddamn, I love the smell. Like it's the pillow torching, where the fuck the warden? And when you find them, we don't kill them, we just waterboard them. We killing them for freedom, cause they tortured us for boredom. And even if some good ones die, fuck it, the Lord will sort them. We, we out of order, your honor, you out of order. Our uh, next matchup is uh, Phoenix's Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix versus LCD, another band that has populated the bracket. Um, uh, with many, many offerings with uh, their um, second most recent record, This Is Happening. So Maybe, um, versus LCDs, This Is Happening. Since, since I think I'm, I'm probably the most on the fence here, uh, perhaps um, I, I know that Phoenix is a favorite of yours, Jeremy, and This Is Happening is, uh, is your... Is, am I right in saying that's your favorite LCD album? It is. It's your Maybe we could, uh, maybe you guys could, could Although you know. Although revisiting, um, you know, I'm going to say This Is Happening is probably the one I listen to as much as any Sound of Silver um, is, you know, right there. Uh, Sound of Silver might be um, considered more classic. But uh, This Is Happening um, and Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, both albums that I love. So, um, yeah. Um, Jesus, Jerry, you, you, uh, yeah, you I mean, start. look, I, you know, it, it's, this is a tough one. I, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix is, you know, that album from a band that I, I think is, is really good and consistent, just like the two bands we were just talking about. But it, it's the one where they kind of hit, hit the high watermark, you know, uh, the single 1901 
the first minute you heard that, you're like, oh my God, that's a hit, you know? And a song that's a I classic. Cannot, yeah, I cannot get out of my head. Um, I can't say This Is Happening has that for me, even though I love, you know, I love that album start to finish. I actually think it's, it's probably, it's not my favorite LCD album, but it, it, I think it's probably maybe the most like listenable and, and, and kind of for somebody who's newer to them and, and I think one of their most consistent albums. I think it's accessible, yeah. Absolutely, and it has more song structure than, than some of their other stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, that Phoenix album was kind of a, a fun phenomenon where you get uh, kind of indie rock or whatever you want to call Phoenix, a French band that, that sort of broke Heather moment in the mainstream. And, and, you know, it was one of those universal albums. That I find that to be like a, you know, we, we joke about Air being the other sort of dinner party album. I think it's an album you can pop on with any crowd. And, uh, you know, this is a good thing to me and, and play it and, and enjoy it. And it, it's both background, but also something you notice and, and are into right away. So um, there's my argument for Phoenix, but I, I can definitely vote on this one. So whatever you guys want to do. What are you voting? Um, I'm going to go Phoenix just to do it um, because you guys put, put me in the spot of being their defender. Um, but I really could care less who wins this one. And, and uh LCD is obviously a favorite of mine. So, Christian, uh, Wyndham, I think you should you should cast your vote here. I'm going Phoenix. Oh, they win! Wow, upset, upset special. Well, that's upset interesting. Phoenix. I was actually going to go for this. Is happening? I thought that was going to tip the, uh, um, you know, I yeah, tip like, the, I, I, this the scales of justice. Where, where I. Uh, yeah, this is sort of like watching the tournament when I don't have a horse in the race, and I'm like, um, I love both of these albums, and they both were uh, albums I've played start to finish a billion times each. When I think about it, though... Um, you just wish they could both win, kind of like Michigan State versus Syracuse? Yeah, I really do. I wish <laughs> Jim Beheim and, and Izzo could both win. Just, um, just win so hard. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really do. I, I, I have a hard time with this one, but uh, um, I'm a, I, I, I think I've derived more pleasure out of the Phoenix album. I think it's, it's been more of a soundtrack to my life than, uh, than this is happening, and I can't believe I'm saying that. So. Oh, wussy French people! Nice. Yeah, um, I will say fun, one of cool the worst French album people. names ever. I hate that album name. But yeah, we'll let that go. And I hate the cover. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, that's a surprise. Again, this. this I have uh, to say, like a lot of credit to one of the better foreign language lyricists that I can think of. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's very totally good with sounds and like. Yeah, he has a sort of he's ca- he's got like a good sort of like poetic cadence to his to his voice and to the la- you know to the words that he's choosing, um, which I think, in some respects, I, did he grow up fully bilingual or what? What is the backstory there? Because I, I just I, thinking about it from the perspective of like learning a language new for the first time, it, it's you aren't immediately necessarily capable of, of um, I, you know. I, he, he certainly spent a, a lot of time here. He's married to an American woman. He has a lot of kids who are, uh, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's obviously got a lot of American ties, but the, the, the lone time that I did meet him, um, I would not, I would, my guess would not be that he grew up entirely bilingual. He's, he's a fairly francophonic um, you know, heavy accent, not 
the most assured maker of sentences, and yet, you know, when it comes to lyrics, uh, their lyrics are kind of absurdist, so I don't think they need to make a lot of sense, but I think you're, I think you're right. When it comes to, it's more about delivery than it is lyricism, and, um, you know, the, the rest of the band, it's, I, I don't, I get the feeling, um, from what I gather of this band that they're, you know, it's an extremely intelligent bunch of guys. So, um, you know, I think working in a second language is a little bit um, easier in that regard. But I think, again, they rely less heavily on meaning than they do on delivery and, and, and almost, a per, you know, the sort of percussiveness of uh, or, or cadences that, that you can sort of toy with as a pop singer. Shall we move on to the uh, uh, last last yeah. matchup in this uh, first region, um, and then we'll take a then we'll take a quick break. But um, we have uh, oh, we have the number seven seed, Hold Steady's Boys and Girls in America against uh, the number two seed and favorite in this matchup. Um, let's say a, a six and a half point favorite, um, Arcade Fire uh, with Funeral. Fuck. Well, I I'll, I'll jump in and uh, I'll take the whole steady side of things. Um, not uh, uh, preordained for who I will vote for, but but I will uh, I will take the whole steady boys and girls in America because I think unlike the two of you, this is my this is far and away my favorite hold steady record. I think this is the one where they put it all together. I think there was um, you know I think. Separation Sunday, I adore. I think it's great. I love the storytelling. I love the way that uh, it all, you know, they, they sort of uh, um, established their identity and, and Craig Finn, you know, sort of established himself as a storyteller of, you know, of great note. Um, Midwestern uh, middle-class bard. Yeah, but Boys and Girls in America, uh, to me, is just, is like a, just a kick-ass classic rock record made by a deeply literate 
lyricist. Um, yeah, I think they definitely found, they brought out all of the big sort of bombastic pop hooks, you know, and like... Um, yeah, they, they did it all in, you know, at once. The I mean, sing-along chanting and, and, yeah, I mean, is, is uh, that, that sort of, like, available and, and, like, the crowd interactivity. I mean, it, like, it just, it's a, yeah, it's a real pump-up album. I, I agree with that. And, but even then, the wordplay to me, you know, as, uh, you know, I find him as a writer to be so... Um, interesting and engaging, and I think there's you know the, there's the short story element of you know Separation Sunday and, and the earlier stuff uh, that that Craig Fender, but this is this is the one where he Trojan horses in um, really funny, interesting, uh, witty, and and uh, literate. Uh, wordplay and jokes into somehow you know brings him into uh, freaking Boston's first album. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like Steve Miller band riffs with you know jokes about John Barryman. Um, you know, and and you, you can't you can't find a, a better combination in my opinion. I mean, it, it likes the warm feeling, but he's tired of all the dehydration. A great turn of phrase. B try rhyming that with some shit and yeah. see what you come up with. It's, it's pretty magical. Um, I think that the whole thing she came is great. In, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm already, I'm already thinking ahead to the lines that I'm going to, when we, when we start talking about, uh, uh, separation Sunday, but yes, no, he has, he has uh, unequivocally penned like, I don't know, 10 of my 20 favorite single lyrics ever. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just he's just got this incredible way of like you know and and so many of them feel like throwaway lines because there are you know multiple There's great lines in single them. songs yeah. yeah exactly and like I said before this um, you know but I'll drive it home again I think this album I think that you know the, what I've always said it drives me nuts about uh, Bruce Springsteen and I and I again I'm not a a Springsteen um, I like Springsteen but I'm you know sort of not. Hugely enthusiastic. Probably not as much as Craig Finn. But, I, you know, it was always the sax and the keyboards that drove me nuts on Springsteen. Um, I just don't like saxophone, and, and I found the keyboards in his to be so tinny and intrusive. In this, I find that they are, it's the perfect complement because, uh, and I mean this in a, in a favorable sense, Craig Finn is, by very definition, monotonous of monotone. And um, so you have, you know, the backing vocals on this really lifted them, I think, to a, a different degree uh, than their previous work. And, you know, the sort of keyboard fills and things of that nature just play really well into um, these, like, I, I can't classify them as anything other than classic rock hooks. And, yep. um, you know, it, it, all of that, you know, melange, all that together makes this one of my favorite albums of the millennium so far. And it's up against Arcade Fire's funeral. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, yeah, you want to talk a little bit about Jer? Or about funeral? Yeah, well, Jer? I mean, I think it's funny. I agree, Boys and Girls in America is great lyrically and, and definitely one of my favorite albums. And album, both these albums are actually, I think, highly listenable and repeated listens, which is always a, a test of, like, a great album to me. I think, you know, a... a you know, Wynn Butler, who I don't think is as clever lyrically, and, and sometimes the lyrics can kind of be detrimental to Arcade Fire. I think this is their best uh, best piece of work there, where, you know, this album came where I think a few of the band members had lost parents, and, 
it's really an album of, of reflection and, and loss and set with like a sonic scale and, and sound and in scope that just is like unmatched. I mean, this album came out on Merge Records is truly an independent record, a band that really had, you know, probably some buzz around them, a little bit of buzz here and there, maybe in the, in the Montreal and Toronto scenes and probably, you know, some U.S. indie mags. But Funeral came out and just knocked everyone out of their socks. I mean, it, just nothing yeah. sounded as big and as epic as this album. I mean, it, it truly is kind of the Joshua tree of indie rock or, or you know, the, the Octung Baby, you know, just comparing them to you 2 there. Like, it's a band that, you know, um, but it wasn't their eighth album, you know. It was their, their, technically their second album, if you even count the first one. So, um, you know, I, I think it was just one of those albums that, again, too, is sort of universally loved. It, you know, right away this band was launched into the mainstream I say, press. Though, I will say as a, as a writer, though, um, if, you can, if you can be as earnest as he is in his writing and sell it, and I'm buying it, um, th- that is a really difficult um, thing to do. And I do think, you know, I mean... Uh, you know, lies somewhere uh, popularity-wise. You know, I mean, they got to be the. You know, they're they're at the point where they're you know sort of U two caliber kind of a band. They're they're sort of re- receding. It seems a, a little bit with the last couple albums, but you know, this burst on the scene, and I can't remember hearing a band where the first album I heard by them. Um, you know, I mean, even the Strokes "Is This It" is a is a is kind of a perfect record, but it, it's a plucky upstart kind of a record. This record came out and it was like, you know, this was like the Who. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, I agree. Um, yeah, and I think it's an album that stays great. You know, I mean, Neighborhoods number one and and uh, Wake Up and you know, I mean, it, it's just an album that like you can kind of here and and it, it remains as, as kind of powerful and as important as, as when you first heard it so i'm good on this one i mean as much as i love the hold steady and i apologize if you guys want to talk a little more about these bands but you know i, I think the arcade fire is gonna the hold steady plays well the first you know quarter and i think uh arcade fire kind of takes this game over and runs with it yeah and i mean i think if we think back to um are you know the criteria that we that we have implicitly used um, to to select these? You know, I think when, when we talk about the greatest album of, of this period, uh, you know, there are a lot of different factors that 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 you include in in um, in, in that sort of uh, status or, or title. Um, certainly, a huge part of it is whether we like it and think it's good music. Um, you know the the lyrics, the melodies, the um, instrumentation, all of it, um, the production. But but you know there's there's a little bit more to it than that I think, which is the impact. Um, and I really I don't think there's any denying um, the fact that Arcade Fire, you know, a little bit like the Killers, um, took an era of indie rock uh, to. To MetLife Stadium, you know, um, they—I mean—they are—they've consistently sold out arenas um, since their second album dropped, and um, I just think the scale and the way that they've—they've they've sort of taken indie culture into the mainstream um, 
much like the Strokes did, uh, or much like the Strokes were poised to do but never fully executed on, um, Arcade Fire has done it consistently and done it consistently well while continuing to grow a fan base and without losing one, frankly. And then I'll say, um, on top of that, you know, I mean, if you're making drawing those comparisons, um, Arcade Fire came to, to battle. Uh, the Strokes... Once they scaled up, once they started playing, I mean, they were good. They're a great club band. They're a good theater size band. They couldn't. They couldn't hold an arena or a or a, yeah. a, a stadium. I mean, Arcade Fire came out of that. The, That'll be an interesting discussion for uh, for if these guys come head to head at some point. It will, and they might. So why don't you guys vote, and I'll. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna cast my vote for, for Arcade Fire. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, a, it's actually a sweep. Um, all right. Take a quick break and Take come back with uh, the next region. Sounds good. Welcome back to the uh, Brother, 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 uh, March Madness, where we're picking the best albums of the millennium thus far. So we're in the West region, and we've got our first matchup here. So we've got Sigaros, and I'm not going to pronounce the album name. I'm going to let Christian do that. And then uh, versus Daft Punk's Discovery. So again, two, uh, two sort of epic albums that uh, created their own own sound and own style. So um, who wants to kick it off? Christian? I'm not sure what I did to uh, to earn, um, like, you know, the guy who, who does all the math for this younger. album, but then also the resident pronouncer of Hopelandic. Um, the <laughs> international linguist and st- statistician. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I, I feel like this is I, one I of these... I can actually uh, <laughs> answer that question, which is... The, your, your youngest? <laughs> no, you didn't, you're the only one of us that didn't fail out of school. Um, <laughs> well... You know, I think this uh, this matchup, Daft Punk, Sigur Ross, Robots versus Aliens, um, we have... Uh, I, I did a little research, I, I must confess, um, on on these two albums. Uh, and, and also, I was interested in the last time um, Iceland came into conflict with France uh, over anything. Um, because, of course, you know, as, as we will all remember, the uh, first, second, and third cod wars that Iceland fought were, were in fact, with the British. Um, but I think of them as just, you know, being alone, floating in the Arctic, um, and, uh, and, and really sort of separate from continental Europe. Um, it, perhaps that contributes to the otherworldliness of, uh, of, of Sigur Rós's music. Uh, but what I was able to, to learn was that, that, in fact, I think the last great contest between France and Iceland um, 
was the Icelandic Reformation in the in the 16th century, um, and and here we we saw uh, uh, Lutheran religious reforms um, imposed on Icelanders by King Christian III of Denmark, um, you know, casting out all of the uh, all of the Catholics um, and and uh, and robots. Um, yeah, and uh, and and it resulted in something uh, called Storidomur, um, which has little dashes over both of the O's and uh, looks very much like a Sigur Ross song title, um, but in fact could very well be. Um, but uh, but these were laws enacted to reduce the moral licentiousness and sexual lasciviousness of uh, of Catholics in the country, um, and I think it's safe to say that. I certainly side with I certainly side with moral licentiousness and sexual lasciviousness, um, and and so in, in that sense I think that uh, you know the the Daft Punk are out to an early lead here um, because even though they are robots uh, they are they are robots who bring the digital love. I was gonna say they were up all night to get lucky, which is probably the easiest <laughs> dotted line there. I'm not even gonna uh, really. I, oh, two other fun facts that came up in the in, in the research beyond these albums. Uh, one was that Agitis Berjan um, has sold ten thousand copies, which in Iceland means it went platinum, um, which is awesome. <laughs> that also means that every Icelandic person has two copies. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and then you know, I, I think that uh, this uh, just—I mean—to to speak on the uh, to speak on behalf of Cigaros, though, and, and sort of on a slightly more serious tone, this is one of my favorite albums. Um, I actually think Parentheses is better, uh, but but this is a, a truly outstanding piece of music, and and it was sort of through this post-rock channel that I ended up discovering bands like. Um, Godspeed You Black Emperor, who were very close to making this tournament, Explosions in the Sky, who were close to making this tournament. Um, you know, I, I think there's some some really incredible uh, ambient, ethereal, atmospheric, musical, um, you know, sort of soundscape work. And like, holy shit, when is a major director going to conscript these guys to to soundtrack their movie already? I believe that's how I don't. I know Yoenzi has done soundtrack work, but I don't know. Uh, whether it was a major director, might have I mean, been. I think like Sofia Coppola is long overdue uh, for for getting them on board. So, but she favors yeah. those French uh, DJ duos she's, apparently. She's well, she's you know she's a homer. Um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, I uh, I, I don't mean to uh, cut this one short, but I, I think there's unanimity among us, unless uh, unless I'm hor- sadly mistaken. But uh, I'm going Daft Punk's Disco Very. Yep. Yes. I'm going moral licentiousness and sexual lasciviousness all day, every day. Thank you, King Christian the Conqueror of the Third or whatever the fuck that was. One more time.
being conquered. The next one up is uh, the AAS Fever to Tell versus Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. All right, so I know that both of you pussies are definitely starting in the camp of uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And so it really it's incumbent upon me to convince you to, to vote otherwise. Um, Wyndham, you have uh, variously offered disparaging remarks such as derivative and I've seen it all before. Um, when referring to the AAS fever to tell, I, I frankly think that that's giving it very short shrift um, and would encourage you to listen to the whole album again, not just maps and Y control. But, uh, you know, I think, look, with well, regard to Wilco. Two good songs. Because they're all good. Um, you know, to start with a, a discussion of, I think, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, I, I'm willing to, like, I, I, want, I want to meet you guys halfway here on a, on a couple of points. I mean, I think Wilco opens with my favorite song on the album, actually, with I'm Trying to Break Your Heart. Um, and I think there are two other great Wilco songs ever, frankly, or Heavy Metal Drummer, and uh, if I had a third favorite, it's probably... I'm the man who loves you. Um, uh, maybe shot in the arm, but that's not um, necessarily relevant to, to this uh, conversation. But, like, there is a lot of dreck in the middle of this album. Um, and I, I personally, I mean, I, I can't make it through Radio Cure, Jesus, etc., Ashes of American Flags. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I get that you guys um, are, are fine with that sort of, like, I, I mean, I think it's kind of boring in mid-tempo, um, but, but if you like it, you like it. Um, but that's not really my main argument. Uh, I think that, that we really need to consider this matchup based on, you know, the, the, the best foot that each album put forward. And, and you know, to, to my previous point, those are, those are all, you know, there's some outstanding songs on this, and, and they really do um, uh, reflect the best that that band has put forward. But I, I just... My, my key or, or my main objection, and I, I listened to this four or five times in the last week thinking about this particular matchup, um, is that this is quintessentially a 90s album. Um, and it's one that has more in common, as far as I'm concerned, with like Odelay um, than it does with anything that actually came after it. Um, and, you know, it, 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 I, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want such a creative and energetic period of rock in the 2000s to be defined by an album that is the absolute best of the immediately prior period of time, if that makes sense. Um, and so it might not be the album that, you know, um, uh, or, or rather, I think that, you know, this, it was definitely the album that you guys were, that you, that you guys have been waiting for for a long time when it came out in 2002. But I just don't think it's the best reflection of, of this era, um, which which really did kind of change at the millennium. And this this opens up the conversation to a sort of bigger uh, topic of discussion, which is, you know, what was it about the year 2000 that kind of kicked into gear some some pretty significant um, structural changes in, in music and sort of a, a, a new yeah, wave mean, of rock? Like, I don't know. I could let you go on, but <laughs> I'm going to say I, I just think... Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is a great American music record, and I think it incorporates, you know, folk, country, some experimentation, some psychedelic, and they do it well. And I think it's a, a really well-written album. I think it's an album that, like, I, I, you know, I certainly can get through every song in that album and have many times and, and seen them live a bunch. Um, I, I like the AAS. I think they are... Um, 
a good good band and I think they definitely represent a time and energy certainly in, in Brooklyn New York or in New York City the same as the Strokes but I think this is it is, is to me is a better album than Fever to Tell too, as far as albums go and um, you know I think it's an inventive sound they had their own sound she has like some super high points and I think we've said on this thing before and, and Maps is on our best songs ever playlist because it, it's probably the best fucking love song written in the last 20 years it's a great Song and I can't say that about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, but as an album, and I think that when it came out, you you still very much were were forced to buy albums and or buy CDs and, and listen to them that way. It it really was kind of a, a, an album that took you know a, a quintessential kind of a, you know, and I think there's a backstory too that you you know like the Yeah Yeahs being you were at a certain age. I think for Wynn and I, we were at a certain age with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot where it was kind of an album that came out and, and kind of spoke to you in a different way, and, 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 but also took, you know, where bands were kind of pigeonholed and like, oh, they're alt-country or they're, you know, rock and roll, and, and it, it really was a band that was saying kind of like, no, we're, we're Wilco, we're, we're our own sound, and we're, you know, yeah, we have elements of things that we've certainly been influenced by, but this is... And we're keeping our us. shitty name even at the expense of this record deal. Um, but yeah. anyways, I mean, I think, you know... I do, I think that's right, but that's why, that's partly where the Beck comparison came from. I mean, I, I do think that that guy did it first. <laughs> I actually think that Wilco is like banned Beck, but it's still, it, I mean, this sounds a lot to me like stuff that was coming out five years earlier from him. Yeah, I think, it, I, well, there's certainly... Uh, American you know, Midwestern Radiohead. Yeah, but also, I don't think, you know, I mean, I... And I don't use the word de- derivative necessarily disparagingly. I mean, I think every single one of these bands, with the exception maybe of Daft Punk, um, is you know somewhat derivative. Um, any craftwork? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, they're derivative of of other things. It just happens to be that you know the the technology was is at a pitch where like you know it didn't exist before, so and to some degree. And I mean, you know, the one thing I will say, you know, like. I would say, um, uh, you know, again, Maps is the best song in this matchup, followed by the next 10 being the 10 songs on, on Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, um, Poor Places, I think it's an amazing song. You yeah, get a Poor lot Places of great ones. is one of my favorite it. songs. And it, it, it's another one where, you know, it's funny, uh, Jesus, etc., Ashes of the American Flag, things like that. There are. It's one of those albums where, while I'm listening to them, they are my favorite song. It's always been my assertion, and I've said it probably several times on this podcast, yeah. that the 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 great the the um, the hallmark of a great mix is that you can't remember what song was on pre- previously. And I, you know, I feel a little bit of that with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because every song is a song that kind of builds. Um, and and I I uh, you know I appreciate just as much or more than the one that came before it. Um, the funny thing is, uh, given that and and I and I I completely don't um, disagree with your argument that this is uh, an album based in you know more traditional um, songcraft um, and and you know thereby you know can make it sound you know to you a little dated. But the funny thing um, and. You know, I don't know how aware of it you were at the time. Is that when this came out, it was, it was uh, sort of regarded as unlistenable, 
uh, because it was so experimental and out there. And I, I remember Jeremy and right, I, but that again, that's the Odelay comparison. Like, I get that it was experimental off the basis of like, a, a, a sort of vein of folk, but like, but Odelay come on, was, like, Odelay was fucking weird. I mean, yeah. this is not a weird album. This is a really good, solid album with a tiny little bit of you know Radiohead. Well, so then um, how could this be considered so much more experimental than something came out that was so weird but also popularly consumed five years earlier, also I, by a guy who got his start making acoustic and, and you know, um, sort well, of think, folk inflected. I think inflected. genuinely well, a lot weirder. Beck's big hit was Loser, too, which was definitely primer for Odelay, and that was a big hit prior to Odelay coming out. I think, I, you know, weirdly it was kind of the time where Radiohead did Kid A and Wilco did Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I think both are way more listenable than, than people thought at the time. I think Kid A being certainly more experimental in my opinion, but it was that kind of, you know, it was just, you know, you were still driven by rock critics. And but it, it, fall, it still, here's what, here's the difference though, and I, and I will say, you know, it sort of falls into that um, Pet Sounds, uh, Sergeant Peppers, I'm not equating either with, um, but, you know, after a while, you know, you, they talk about the sonic experimentation and the, and the, you know, pushing the envelope and everything. And after, you know, after X many years of listening to both, they're both just really, really excellent pop records. Um, my, what I do think this signals rather than, you know, the birth of any great, you know, revolution in, in sound is a revolution in a, a very um, inadvertently a, a revolution in the industry, whereas uh, the people who, you know, the executives who are making decisions hear Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and go, holy shit, we can't put this out. That's too experimental. There's no single. And the world hears it and goes, this is a really good album. I don't know what the fuck you guys are missing. So I think, um, you know, the change, it almost signals inadvertently more of a, a change in the industry in the sort of uh, expertise of, of executives, quote, unquote. Well, it was one of the first times, too, that uh, prior to getting re-signed after, you know, putting the album, buying the album back, and then they did put it on the internet, and it was, you know, a time where, you That's know, right. to a point when, where people actually could listen to it, and the mass audience could listen to it, and they accepted it, and it became their best-selling right. album. You should, save, you should save some of this for the next round, because no. you guys are going to vote for Wilco, and uh, <laughs> Let's Fever to Tell is going down. I do want to just say one thing anecdotally, um, and just as an aside a, a story, but Jeremy and I hadn't seen each other for quite a while. We're at our, our mom's house in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, we're actually in Princeton, I think, probably going to the Princeton Record Exchange, which is a great record store down there. And Jeremy goes, oh, I have a recording of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which hadn't come out yet. And I was like, how weird is it? And he's like, I don't fucking get why people call it, keep calling it weird. And he put it on, and we were both like, this is, this is a fucking Neil, you know, this is Neil Young. I don't... All right. Well, thanks. <laughs> you guys win. <laughs> yep, see you later.
as a setting sun Tall buildings shake Voices escape Singing sad, sad songs Tilted chords Strung down your cheeks Bitter melodies Turning your orbit around Next album, Radiohead and Rainbows versus Modest Mouse, The Moon in the Antarctic. So, who, uh, who wants to take what here? I'll go for I mean, I'll take in Rainbows. Um, you know, this has the unusual distinction of being the, the one Radiohead album that came out actually while I was in college. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect it was I mean it was very strangely teased um and and promoted uh and obviously you know it was it was released with the uh you know a sort of name your own price um model which was uh pretty revolutionary progressive auto insurance I believe (laughs) well yeah um I mean and also it was more than anything it was uh it was an acknowledgement of what was already happening you know it was the first time that somebody had basically publicly admitted that people are just t- downloading music for free online anyway um and so you know this is the this is sort of the the first effort to say okay but you know it's one thing when you think you're it, it sort of changed the 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 paradigm by saying you think that you're just screwing the labels out of like their profits and that's fine but also recognize that like artists deserve to be paid too, and they're in a position of financial security such that they can record this thing and put it out there. And I'm sure they made their money back. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't think it was an overwhelming success financially the way that it would have been necessarily if it had been put out by by a major. Um, but you know, without getting too much into the the sort of industry details, um, I think just as an album, this is uh, this is their f- you know real return to guitar rock. Um, after wandering, starting with, you know, uh, Kid A, um, Amnesia, Killed the Thief, uh, are all, I think, sort of leaning a little bit more toward, um, you know, their, their electronic experimentation. Uh, this is an album where they got back to their roots, and, and you know, I think the, the evidence of that is the fact that a lot of these songs had, had been around um, for quite some time, and they were sort of rehashes of, of songs that were already in the repertoire that they didn't quite know how to fit onto other albums. Um, I think it comes together beautifully. It's a really sort of outstanding uh, blend of, of everything that they learned and carried with them um, from their uh, from their electronic experimentation days, um, from the from Johnny Greenwood's um, you know music scoring um, and, and film scoring. Uh, I, I just I think it's really it's one of their strongest, if not their strongest album, um, and, uh, and deserves to, to slide through here. Modest Mouse, you know, my, my only comments about this, I, I've said it before, I'm such a huge Lonesome Crowd of West fan um, that anything that's less raw and sort of more polished, uh, like the Moon in Antarctica, I get that it, it fills out with a little bit of the pop melody that like a lot of people really do enjoy. It just, I think that Isaac Brax is best when he's just shredding that guitar and shredding his vocal cords. Um, and it just, it, that to me is, is the perfect Modest Mouse sound. Um, and I think, you know, Moon in Antarctica suffers a little bit as a result. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll defend Moon in Antarctica real quick, and I love In Rainbows as well. But I think, too, it was a time 
It was just really, and I, I think I said this last round, it was just really cool to see a band make something as raw as Lonesome Crowded West and, and you know, um, their first album. And, and, and then, you know, get the opportunity to do a major label album. Actually, exactly what you said, sort of polish their sound, but in, in their own way and in their own unique kind of, um, and I think, again, it marked... Kilter. Yeah, it marked an, a shift, like you were talking about, when with, with Wilco, too, where... You know, it was bands that, you know, just had ambition and had, you know, a, um, a vision for their sound and, and the, the audience, the amount of people they wanted to reach without sort of selling out and without, you know, uh, without kind of making a pop hit, you know, per se. And, and that was a, a hugely successful feat. And, and you know, it, it was a record like in the past, you know, when you would have bands, some of my favorite bands like, you know, Dinosaur Jr. go to Warner Brothers. It just... It, totally sounded like a different band to me on album you know it was mm-hmm. like eh, you know I've, I've grown to love some of that stuff but it just wasn't the same band and it was such a blatant attempt to kind of polish this you know raw what was great about a, a band or why they would have gotten signed to a major label and i think isaac brock to his credit kind of took his vision his sound and and just kind of ele- like grew it up a little bit elevated it a little bit but i can definitely vote on this one i don't know when if you have anything to add i i i don't. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll save uh, my comments, but I, I, I'm going to vote uh, first uh, for Mo- uh, Modest Mouse, Moon in Antarctica, and then let you guys fight it out. I'll vote Radiohead. Yeah, so um, here's the. I'll give you what I'm voting in my reason. I'm actually voting in Rainbows as well, and uh, mainly because I just, like Christian said at the end there, I really like this record a lot, and it's an album that, like, I go back to and I think it ages really well and it tends to be like the Radiohead album minus like, you know, the, the sort of original classics that I go to more than any other Radiohead album. So, um, I think, and Rainbows I think, is going to upset Modest Mouse. Yeah, I think like uh, the AAS before this, um, I kind of feel like I'm losing a friend when, when Moon in Antarctica goes out and it felt like it was going to be there for me for a while, so... I know who would win in a fight. Uh, I don't. <laughs> really? I don't. No. I, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, crazy, <laughs> unstable is always a weird weapon. Um, <laughs> and, 
with this last matchup in this round. Of, uh, sharp yeah, instruments at your hands as well. And an uh-huh. army of angels playing behind you. That could, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. So we have Sturgill Simpson's Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music against Sif Jan Stevens' Come On, Feel the Illinois. Noise. Come on, Whew. feel the... Let me just say that, uh, bef- you know, before I declare on either side, and I know where I'm going with this one, but I would say the loser of this round, of this particular matchup would win about 85% of the other matchups. That's my feeling about this. This is two albums I hate seeing going up against each other. Yes. Because I, I, I love them both. Agreed, yeah, so and I, I kind of know where I'm going as well, but I agree. Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan Stevens, um, I remember, weirdly, uh, Christian was visiting me. I think this was the college visit uh, when, when we stopped at Newbury. In Comics. very exaggerated air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of, yeah. Um, I think Christian was up. Uh, we, I think we went to MIT and Harvard, um, or at least we were supposed to. I'm pretty sure we went to both, though, right? I can't tell you I remember very much of that, but... Well, it was your yeah. college tour. I mean, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I do remember we stopped at Newbury Comics and bought the CD, Come on, Feel the Illinois, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing because, as I've said about this album before, I think it. That's it funny. Has, I remember that car trip. I think, or I remember throwing it on your old uh, on your old Bose CD player. Um, yeah. I do not, however, remember seeing MIT. Um, I, I, <laughs> I remember. It's in Cambridge, college. not not uh, far yeah, from Harvard. Cambridge, <laughs> uh, not a big college town. Um, I do remember. Um, uh, anyway, I remember you going to uh, your tour at Harvard and coming out and going, they did something really smart. They put really attractive people as the tour guides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, there you go. And uh, um, that was your takeaway, which is... Um, but anyway, that um, that's a long, um, unnecessary anecdote uh, that leads us to the fact that Come On, Feel the Illinois um, felt really strangely... Classic, innovative, genre-free, and at the same time, almost um, classical. I mean, the arrangements are so beautiful and so complex and intricate. And, you know, there's... I'm not a huge fan of, of musical theater, but there is a musical theatrical quality to this album. There's a story. There's a thematic... Pieces. Well, it's, it's personal. There's so much, so much density, so much density and texture, just because of the number of instruments that he actually includes. That you have, like, he has the ability to to achieve these like soaring, swelling crescendos, um, just building massive sound uh, because he has you know 35 instruments being recorded. Um, of course, he's he's playing pretty much all of them, but I, I it, it has the same feeling that like. You know, the only weirdly, the only way I can I can sort of the only thing that that comes to mind is like thinking about you know the the orchestras that are uh, that that play like the Disney soundtracks in like Bambi and stuff. You know, yeah. where you just have this ability to go from like very delicate melody to big you know uh, big sounds very quickly. So yeah, I mean, I feel like it has as much in common with the Nutcracker Suite as it does with you know an ACDC record, certainly. Um, it, it, I just, I couldn't put my finger on it. And, and the other, the thing that I've never been able to really get my head around 
is, um, and I've liked other uh, his, you know, other records and the rest of his music, but this was um, such a dynamic shift, such a dramatic shift in dynamics. Um, you know, I mean, this is when you talk about crescendos and building, and I mean, so much of his other stuff is is you know really thoughtful, uh, intelligent, intellectual, literate folk music, and um, this one was just a departure where, you know, I feel like, you know, it was one of those things where you have this, you know, this genius that's bottled up and it gets let go. And not only does it serve to say, like, I don't know where the hell this came from, but it also serves to say, I can't wait to see what happens next. And what happens next is he never really returns to this particular area where I think, you know, was his towering strength. It's a very strange moment in someone's career when, uh, and I can't, I can't really uh, embellish these comments with, with any explanation of how or why that happened. Do you guys have more insight? Um, or Not that I'm going to share in this round. Yeah, uh, I think we'll be talking possibly about this. I one. suspect, yeah, yeah, that this is going to continue on. I I would just say uh, I, I'm going to put up a defense for, for Sturgill and, and Metamodern Sounds. Um, I, I think it's deserving uh, of, a, of a final four spot, personally. Um, he did something that, for, for whatever reason, country music isn't something that likes to modernize itself particularly well. Um, and so when you finally do get uh, a musician who has the, the sort of the, the songwriting ability, the, the technical proficiency um, to sort of commandeer uh, a 70s outlaw lineage and drag it, I mean, not, not necessarily drag it into the future, um, but, but certainly uh, deliver it in the present, um, you know, w- without feeling anachronistic and without feeling particularly um, referential. Uh, or or, or do we take it even one step further and, and say without being um, uh, cliche and nostalgic. No, it's it's earnest. It's it's just his it's his take on you know a, a traditional uh, genre and and you know the the way that that genre sort of uh, instructs people to to frame sounds and songs and and um, stories. But but there is no doubt in your mind at any point in this record that these are his stories. Um, and I, I just I think it's an incredibly powerful piece of music. I love. I love every song on this, which is just not something I can say about very many albums. Um, and, you know, for that reason, uh, I'm, I'm going to cast my vote for Sturgill. I'm going to cast my vote for Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, I'm going to uh, come on, feel the Illinois. Yeah, um, I, I figured that was, that was right. But, and I love um, every song on both albums. Yeah, yeah, me too. In the morning 
light pressed up against your shoulder blade I can see what you are reading All the glory that the Lord has made And the complications you could do without When I kissed you on the mouth On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>